0: Well hi everybody. I'm Larry Jacobs. This is pre K twelve Education Talk Radio on the eighth of November. Almost Thanksgiving item two thousand twenty two. Thanks for being with us today. We're gonna to, uh, go over I live in Maine as everybody knows. We're gonna travel down to Atlanta for the uh, Atlanta, Alabama for this one and also over to Illinois, where state where my kids were born. Okay, and talk to uh all the folks who wrote a new book from Stenhouse called Teaching for Racial Equity, Becoming Interrupters, Teaching for Racial Equity, Becoming Interrupters. And it's a book that for educators, okay, that will help you understand your workplace diversity and your classroom diversity. And it's really an interesting book, et cetera. We've got the three authors here. I've got Tanya Perry, who is our Alabama connection. She teaches down at the University of Alabama at Birmingham UAB. Okay, and then Steve Zemelman and Katie Smith. Steve is a visiting scholar at Northeastern Illinois, and he's a founding director of the Illinois Writing Project. Katie Katie Smith is a professor of secondary education and also department chair at at Northeastern Illinois University. But she and Steve direct the Illinois Writing Project, just as Tanya does down in Alabama for what's called the Red Writing, Red Mountain, I can't talk today, Red Mountain Writing Project. Okay, so there's a lot of education professors involved in writing projects. We're going to talk about that, about their new book, again, from Stenhouse, Teaching for Racial Equity, Becoming Interrupters. Uh, We're going to archive the show over at ace-ed.org, ace-ed.org. And that's our home website for American Consortium for Equity in Education. Everything we do is over there. Our newest magazine, Equity and Access. Our online journal will be over there probably up tomorrow. You can still see the old one, and we always archive it over there. All our podcasts are there, as well as uh, information on our other websites about teacher retention and SEL today, and all the information we have about equity. So please go over, check it out over at ACE. Dash Ed. Org, and without further ado, let me bring on my three guests. I'm going to highlight Tanya because I uh, Tanya seems to uh, be the lead on this. Okay, and she's going to help me direct questions over to Steve and Katie. Tanya, are you there? I'm Larry. It's nice to have you here.
1: Well, good morning, Larry. Can you
2: hear me?
0: I can hear you. You can speak a little louder if you want, but I can hear you just fine. Okay, and it's a pleasure to have you here. Okay, Steve, you there from Illinois? I certainly am, Larry. It's a pleasure to have you here, my friend. Thank okay, you. and also Katie, you are there?
2: Good morning, I'm here. Nice to, nice morning, to be Katie. here. Good
0: morning, Katie. It's a pleasure to have all three of you here. Okay, and I have to ask this question. Tanya is a professor of secondary English education. Okay, Katie is a professor of secondary education. Steve's the visiting scholar, okay, at Northeastern Illinois. So, Tanya, I'm going to throw this to you. you guys, you're, running, you're running the Red Mountain Writing Project at UAB, okay? Katie and Steve are running the writing project, the Illinois Writing Project at Northeastern Illinois. How come education professors aren't directing the writing project? Tanya, inquiring minds want to know.
1: Well, Larry, we certainly want to answer the inquiry of Inquiring Minds. How about that?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
1: <laughs> so the uh, writing project is um, almost 50 years old, and it was founded wow. in the West Coast. And the writing project is probably led by a lot of education and English folks just because of the nature of writing, at least initially. You know, writing is always um, – historically been housed, I'd say, in education and in English, but Mm -hmm. the use of of English in our writing and our digital literacies and our technology really has gone across different subject areas. So even though we uh, traditionally have run and we still are pretty strong in the writing project uh, doing this work because we study literacy and language you know, the field is really wide open because you have to write across all disciplines, you know. So you we are finding that using digital technologies and the digital literacy, um, we're finding that um, math, social science, um, even our science classes are using more writing because writing is to learn to writing, but also writing is used as a way of thinking, right, making your thinking Very visible. Cool. So that's what we do. Um, so the education folks, it makes sense that, you know, across the disciplines, because we work with teachers in every field, every facet, music, art, science, uh, career tech. We're across the field with the writing. And writing is so essential for everything that we do. And writing is a way that we can start to explore who we are, what we are learning, and how we're developing. And that's also how we use writing in this book.
0: Welcome to education. Thank you for that. That was a great explanation. Katie, you want to add further from the North, northeastern Illinois point of view on that one? Illinois Writing Project? Sure. You and Steve, go ahead. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, the Illinois Writing Project and the Red Mountain Writing Project are part of the National Writing Project Network, which Connie was describing. This is mm-hmm. a network of nearly 200 different sites across the country and um, in some op- some out-of-the-country areas as well. Um, and really our goal as Writing Project Fellows is to work together side by side with community members, teachers, young people to um, in, encourage and develop uh, everyone's writing and thinking, as Tanya said, across all subject areas and in all contexts.
0: I I think it's great, Steve. Anything to add? And you're the visit. I must add, you're the visiting scholar. Is your background education or writing or Steve Zimmerman? My background is is
3: actually it's a very mixed background. Uh, My bachelor's degree is in physics. Um, I have a Ph.D. in English literature, and then I really became interested in writing early on because it was clear that a lot of us as teachers, including myself didn't know how to help students with that. Um, But the other connection that I would say in terms of this book is that writing, when it's done well in school, is really about giving young people voice, and that's an important part of equity. Uh, So the connection is very close between uh, teaching writing and the work of equity in the book.
0: I love that. Thank you, guys. That was a great explanation from the three of you. As we talk about the book, okay, I'm going to direct my questions to Tanya, okay? And then, Tanya, you can either answer and or you can direct it to one of your two co-authors. Is that okay? That will make my life easier. That's just fine. We're ready. Okay. You're ready? You're ready, and I want you guys to enjoy yourselves. We're going to have a good time talking about this. I found it fascinating. The book is called Teaching for Racial Equity. Again, it's from Stenhouse, and it's, it, the subtitle sort of is Becoming Interrupters. All right, and we're going to talk about the word interrupters, but what I loved when I read about the book is that the book is not so, not so much about what, what you teach your kids, but it's also about how you interact with your colleagues, Okay. And we work, people forget schools are a workplace. School is a workplace. The kids are there for one reason. Teachers are there for another, as well as the educators. But it's a workplace for a lot of people. It's extremely diverse. And I hope it gets more diverse, I might add. Okay. So we have to learn to work with each other before before we can... carry those skills into the classroom and teach the kids how to live with each other. So with that introduction, Tanya, you guys use the word interrupters in the book's title, okay? Again, you or your gang, I'm going to direct it to you. What does that word mean to you guys, and why did you choose to use that word, interrupters?
1: Tanya? Well, you know, the word interrupter, Larry, uh, just uh, means, you know, being able to stop uh, one way of thinking and, and interject another possibility, right? Mm. What is mm-hmm. it? Being able to interject another possibility, another way of thinking, another way of processing, another way of reconsidering, you know, how the world is and how you you might need that other perspective. That's an interruption. And so it's based on mm. a, a model by Dr. Yolanda Sealy-Ruiz, or racial literacy development, Um, and what she does in this model, she talks about being able to start with uh, critical love and moving up in the framework, um, getting to interruption. The idea here is that if we really truly love um, our society, our students, our, um, uh, and want to become a better place for all people, then it's our obligation to really think about how we interrupt and how we um, interrupt each other and our own thinking, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, the idea here is that becoming interrupters, that we're constantly evolving and thinking about how do we become more inclusive, how do we think about our own practices that may be healthy or may be unhealthy, and how do we stop ourselves, how do we interrupt for our colleagues, and how do we teach our students to be advocates for themselves, and advocate for others and interrupt practices that yeah. are not healthy for us being a, a really solid society that's inclusive of all of us.
0: From your lips, as they say, from your lips to God's ears. I certainly hope so. Okay? And it's, <laughs> and it's, it's hard to do. Okay? And <laughs> I, I have to use this phrase. You you all three and my audience certainly knows this. And I, I love the way you positioned this as I was reading about the book. To me, it struck me. We all have these inherent biases. Yet, when I talk to anybody in education about equity, everybody wants the education to be equitable for every kid, regardless of gender, race, ethnicity, whatever the language, whatever the case may be. Okay, but that's hard to do if we don't understand ourselves. We're asking people to do something for others. We have to understand ourselves, and I love the way you guys approach this. Okay, so, Tanya, what gave What really gave you the You must have seen something, and you're, please feel free to ask involve your other co-authors. What did you see in the world that gave you the idea to write this book and, 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 and really put it out on the table for everybody? It's a tough discussion to have. What, what, did, you, what did you see? And again, Tanya, feel well, free know, to involve Steve in the K E as you wish.
1: Yes, I'm gonna um, send this to Steve and let him talk about what he saw in the world.
2: Steve Okay and
0: by the way, by the way, Tanya, always feel free to give give Steve the tough questions. Okay, don't
3: even worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Believe it. Believe me, Larry, it's not the first time. <laughs> so, uh, I set you that. up, Tanya, I'm sorry. A- She's been a wonderful partner in terms of, you know, asking hard questions. Um, but, you know, uh, I've spent a lot of time over the years in, uh, as a, an observer and a volunteer in Chicago schools. And what I see is beautiful young people who mm-hmm. have a lot of ideas and a lot of energy, and but they're still not doing well in school. And no matter how much we talk about that and give them exercises and 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 worksheets to do, it's continued to be that way. And it's like this is just we're not getting anywhere here. And uh, what do we do to help these young people more effectively um, without blaming everybody and ourselves but being yeah. constructive about it? And so um, I've just seen so much of that that it, I – kind of brought myself up to a stop and, and called Tanya and said, you know, can't we, we can't fix everything ourselves, but can't we do something to try to help with this? And that's where the book developed.
0: It's, it's interesting. Katie, anything to add to that before I go back to Tanya? Uh,
2: no, I, that is how the book developed. And I was really honored and glad to be able to join the team yeah. to work together on this. You know, Steve and I have worked together in the Illinois Writing Project. Um, yep. I first as a classroom teacher, then as I moved to the university um, and and uh, have, you know, moved in responsibility to the point that now I co-direct with Steve. And then Tanya and I knew each other um, because we had worked together through the National Writing Project Network. Cool. So to be able to join into this work to... Really seek to affect positive change um, and and encourage our colleagues and our young people to think carefully um, was really important to me as well.
0: It it really is, and, and I'm gonna again. It, it's always racial stuff is always a hard thing to talk about, mm-hmm. especially with people mm-hmm. with the, as you all get together of different races. Okay, it's hard okay and again i'll just say it down loud you know there's an inherent bias in all of us okay uh it's 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 just a s it's, it's an astounding thing we have to face it okay it's nothing to be ashamed of it's there we have to face it and you work through it mm-hmm. okay that's all there is to it all right that, 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 note how easy i made that that's all there is to it that's a lot okay <laughs> so my so my question i'll go back to tanya here tanya How did you put this book together? And I'm going to – I have a note here. You you included real perspectives and biographies and success examples from educators in the book, which says to me that you must have gone out – you said three of you went out into the world of education and and asked the hard questions, okay, and they came back to you with the answers, okay? Just just talk about how this – and then also go into how you want this to be – to work inside a school. Okay, as an example, Todd, two-part question. I'll start with you, Tanya, and pass it to the gang when you're done, if you wish.
1: <clears throat> uh, thanks, Larry. You know, you're welcome. Um, this book really is um, not only something we wrote about, but it's something that we live. So you'll see in the book real perspectives about even our own interaction and about how are working through talking about race and how we're developing as even better and more effective interrupters. You know, this is a journey. This is not uh, when you say that you arrived, then there's something wrong because it is a journey. And so uh, when we talk about the real perspectives and biographies and success examples from educators, you'll also see in the book where we have those same true examples. Uh, And so I want to pass it to to, its – I'm going to give it to Steve, and Steve can give it to Katie after this. But um, this book is really interesting also because we are um, different races and ethnicities, um, even different religions, Mm -hmm. and we have all come together to be able to practice this with each other and with other people that we work with. So it's not something we just wrote about. It's also something that we've been living. Wouldn't you say, Steve?
0: Good for
3: you. I would say that I would say not only for us but for the teachers themselves. Larry, we were very fortunate to um, get connected with teachers who are on a journey themselves. Um, You know, a lot of books about education have show teachers doing wonderful, highly successful things with their kids. And I imagine a lot of readers looking at that and saying, that's great, but I could never do that with my kids. That sounds so hard. Or maybe that person has really easy students to work with. So we really were fortunate to uh, be in touch with teachers who themselves were learners. And my favorite stories with these teachers Mm -hmm. are that they've got the perfect answer but that they were discovering that they weren't doing things as effectively as they could and then they began to do something about that so that that way readers can see that we're all on this journey. We're not saying we're perfect and you've got to try to be that way too. Instead, we're saying this is what it looks like when you're trying to figure it out. And uh, and so, you know, if we're doing that, you can do that too. And that should make it easier because people feel like, they're not being lectured at, but the, and they're not alone. So that's been really important, and that led us to want to include these conversations between each other to show that we, too, are strugglers and are not claiming we have all the answers, but are encouraging people to find ways to to do more and better for their kids.
0: Good, good answer. Katie, you want to add to that one?
2: Well, and with all of that in mind, it is a book that um you know the first uh, the chapter 1 is pretty foundational to the framework that um that is encompassed throughout the book but after that it could be read if you're really interested in knowing what students had to say you can go to the chapters that yeah. have the student voices if you're really interested in hearing you know struggling through how to work with um with students whose first language is not English, um, there's one of our contributors uh, really focuses on his own his own work in that area, mm-hmm. and so uh, the the notion that um, that my colleagues have shared that this is not linear, it's recursive, it's it's all it's a journey, it's always ongoing, right? And and uh, we just continue to work together uh, to to try to make things, to help ourselves understand where we are, so that we can help others understand as well.
0: Well, I think it's wonderful. uh, Oh, go ahead, please.
2: I I want to add one other thing.
3: You know, uh, Tanya mentioned this um, racial literacy uh, framework uh, development, and one of the early stages of it is as humility. I'm um, realizing that there's a lot that you don't know that mm-hmm. you have to find out by asking your students, by talking to people with other backgrounds. And I think that humility kind of helps people when it when they feel like the discussion is hard because you can you can say to yourself, "Listen, I, I don't know everything, so let me hear what other people and what my kids have to say." And that that'll help guide me. And that uh one of our stories yeah. uh Tina I mean, she was asking, talk, talking with one of her students, and he said to her, you're asking me the wrong question. And he got her thinking about what he really needed. And to me, that was really a model for how we
0: can uh, learn as teachers. Yeah, it, 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 it's, really, it's really fascinating. I have to ask this question away from the book. Both Tanya and Katie are both professors in, in education departments. All right. And mm-hmm. I'll start with Katie on this one. OK, Katie, as you realize that schools and and the faculty rooms, if I may, are become and hope I hope faculty rooms even more so these days. It's a little tougher out there, become more and more diverse. OK. And I really hope that for faculty rooms, to get more and more diversity in, in education. How do you. When, you, when you're teaching people how to become a teacher, and I'm, Tanya, I'm going to ask you the same question. How do you incorporate this? What, what are you seeing in the, in the students you're teaching that they need to know, okay, before they go into a school? Again, the district like Chicago or Birmingham, mm-hmm. you know, where there's a lot of diversity in these districts, and you really can go anywhere in the country, and there's a lot of diversity these days. I deal with districts all over the country. How does it change the way you... Teach your students to become teachers. I'm going to do that with Katie, and then I'm going to do that with Tanya. You're on Katie. Katie, Katie Smith.
2: okay, sure. So, before I came to Northeastern Illinois University, I had been a classroom teacher for 20 years. Okay, um, where, so where, were, you? I had where been, were
0: you? Where
2: were you? Where uh, were I was first in Louisville, Kentucky. No. Oh. I then spent a year in Cincinnati, Ohio. And then most of my teaching life, my classroom life, was at a school in the suburbs of Chicago uh-huh. where um, my students spoke as many as, you know, there were as many as 27 or 30 different home languages spoken in the school. Wow. Um, you, you, one could trace the immigration patterns of Chicago <clears throat> through the district where I taught. Right? Wow. so we had a very multilingual multicultural uh multiethnic student population. So this certainly informed my own teaching practice and my own thinking about education when I then went to Northeastern Illinois University, which is itself consistently um highlighted as one of the most racially and ethnically and linguistically diverse universities in the Midwest and in the country. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, it is. So yeah. thinking about this has just been part of my being and I, I, I hope part of my practice for, for 40 years, right? So, um, yeah, so there we are. Knowing that my my students – who are coming to Northeastern to become teachers, still do not, our, our future teaching population still does not fully represent the range of race and ethnicity and language across the country or even across Chicago. But it is more reflective than in many other places. And, you know, so in our teacher preparation programs, one of the first things that we really emphasize is that context matters and that it is the teacher's responsibility to learn the context of the place where they are teaching. So great. Right? And yeah. to get to know their students in the context. And again, um, so when Tanya when introduced us to the racial literacy development framework, this notion of critical humility. And critical reflection that I, I, I don't know I, unless I have come from the community myself. And this is, you know, we we try to prepare teachers. We have grow your own teachers kinds of programs that, that yep. seek to return uh, return teachers to the communities that where they you know where they live and where they grew sure. up. But many sure. of us go into communities that we're not familiar with, and we need to go in with that sense of critical humility so that we can understand and seek out the history and the, the, um, the nature and the, the culture of the community where we are um, so we can really serve our students. And so these are things that um, connect to the book, connect to our practice, and connect to everything I try to do with our future teachers.
0: I think it's great. And I have—I well, do have a question. Uh, I'm just curious about this. Uh, you guys are in Chicago area, okay? Uh, do we yes. have, a, just at Northeastern Illinois U, do we have enough diversity in the teacher pipeline right now? How are we doing on that? There's never so enough curious.
2: diversity in the teacher pipeline. Well, well there's, I know, no, yes, there's that's not That's a good answer, yet.
0: actually. That's a great answer. <laughs> but how are we doing yeah. on that? How are we doing? Just um, anecdotally, really.
2: Um. Better than uh, many of our peer institutions. We are a Hispanic-serving institution yep. and a minority-serving institution. Um, and so um, it, it also, for our early childhood programs in particular, are really quite reflective of the diversity of the area. Great. Um, um, elementary and secondary, we still, we're still working on that. But well, but you're gonna, again, you're going
0: to get it done. You have got to start somewhere. I think it's great That's what right. you're doing More so there. So then, yeah, yeah. I, I, I really i i think I think it's wonderful. Okay, that you that you're working this hard to make to make that work. Tanya, uh, your thoughts on it, it, teaching people how to be teachers in a very diverse world, not only for their students but for their future colleagues as well. How are you incorporating what you're talking about in the book into how you prepare teachers, Tanya Perry. Yeah, and the University of Alabama, Birmingham.
1: Well, you know, Larry, I think that uh my colleague Katie really hit on some high points and uh I think that I have the, the same um perspective as she does. Can you still hear me?
0: Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you I can yeah, hear you good. perfectly.
1: And the uh you know that overall in the nation about seventy nine to eighty percent of the teaching force uh-huh. is consists of of white women, did you know that that's right,
0: that's right mm-hmm. and
1: so and so, um throughout the United States, uh, the diversity of the teaching force has not really been um, as diverse as you know we would we would probably even think or um, want it to be because we do want it to be more diverse, and more diversity in this in the school districts allow for a lot of different things, so for students who are homogenous, even um, in their area, I think that um, having teachers who are different is in, is important, as well as having teachers who look like students who are yep. in those schools. Agreed those on ways, that. Right?
0: Agreed on Absolutely. that.
1: Absolutely. Yep. Even, if, if, even if you are in a majority situation, you need um, all other peoples and access to other peoples in order to just widen your global perspective.
0: And Thank you. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. Let me, Tanya. Let I, I, I don't know. I don't actually know this. Is UAB? It, 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 is there? Are there a lot of African American kids becoming teachers down there? Let me just ask that question. Not, that's what I. That's what I'd love to see. Not,
1: not as many as we would like. And let me just say, Larry, that um, the UAB campus. Um, has won uh, diversity awards in the last five years. They're one of the most diverse campuses in the United States at the University of Alabama. Yes, it is. And, um, and I, I I do want to say that I retired from there in May and I'm at Mouth College now, which is an HBCU,
2: Oh, but when we
1: wrote the book, I was at UAB. And so, um, at Mouth College, we is a a HBCU uh, college and university. So we have more teachers of color coming from um, an HBCU and feeding the pipeline. And that's a whole nother discussion.
0: That That but is a whole a other plot. discussion and a good one. The, the, the HBCUs <laughs> and, are going to save us on this. You know, I, I really, I really believe that. It, it's just so important to get more diversity. And, you know, what you guys are talking about really talks to the teacher pipeline because if teachers, I don't want to say this, Schools are very diverse, and if teachers today don't understand and can't relate to their students, well, it makes for a lesser experience for the students, okay? And if it's a lesser experience for the students, the the chance of you becoming a teacher, why would you go back to a place to work that you didn't have a great time in, okay? Uh, You know, it, it speaks to that. Okay. And so the more we recognize and work for better diversity and better understanding of all the kids of different ethnicities, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. The happier they're going to be at school. And of course, then the happier the teachers are going to be at school. And then the more kids will go back into education or go into education. It's just like a kind of a vicious cycle. Kids have to enjoy a place before they decide to make that their life's work. How's that, Tanya? What do you think?
1: I think you're right, Larry. I think that um, all of this is important, and I think that also we have to think about there's a hole in the bucket, and why is it that uh, more diverse teachers and teachers overall aren't staying in the profession? And that's something that we also need to address. And this book, I think, though, gives us some opportunities. Mm -hmm. It gives us opportunities to be able to look at ourselves, work with our colleagues, and then to work with our students so that we can become better equipped at working with all children, and I'll you know I'll give this to Katie to talk more about the racial literacy development model and how she sees if she if she wants to to add on to what she's already talked about, um, how she sees that as playing a part in our profession and preparing
2: our students to be interrupters.
0: Dr. Smith, you're on.
2: Sure. Um, well, I think you know we've, Steve has already mentioned that the. The foundation is a foundation of critical love. Now, I've never met a teacher who said, um, I don't like to, I don't like kids, so I think I'll be a teacher. <laughs> you know. <laughs> we all go into the profession <laughs> because we love we love our kids, we love our subjects, um, we love we love learning. And so I think in and, and I have to say, also, we
0: worked, we liked being in school. We liked that. Right. Okay, that's another reason right. we we liked
2: it. Yeah. Go ahead. yeah. Yeah. You know, so I think that that uh, teachers and educators go in with a notion of critical love, although they might not know that term, right? But <laughs> that's right. you know, they they come in because they care. They come in because they want to do something that is positive. And um, although the the framework is, I mean, you have to draw things in a, in, in a certain way. You can't draw it all mushed up together, right? So um, the the graphic organizer that was developed for this looks like looks like a shovel, right? So that we're unearthing or we're digging in to um, develop our understanding of racial literacy. And critical love is that, that base, that first piece that digs in um, with critical humility, critical reflection, historical literacy, that developing those aspects of our knowledge and understanding help us to get to a place where we can really interrupt the practices that, that are disruptive in society. Um, but again, it's not exactly linear and it's not exactly straight you know things zig yeah, and that and and so um, at different moments and in different situations uh we might be able to reflect in in more productive ways than at other moments and in other situations right but if we're always working at it we can we can get to a you know we continue to struggle we continue to go along that journey toward for <clears throat> doing that that caring work that we all came into the profession to do
0: yeah and uh, speaking of struggling today's election day all right mm-hmm. and uh you know <laughs> but i hope everybody votes okay that that goes without saying but uh uh, my my question is: This is an age where a lot of a lot of Americans, you know, torn apart. And I'll use that term, critical race theory. That that term that nobody really understands that has gotten half the country all upset. All right, and you know what's the three of you all know what happened with Governor Junken once the uh, had created some kind of phone line down in Virginia, et etc. Cetera, et cetera. You know what's going on, and everybody listening knows what's going on. Okay, so now you've got this book called Teaching for Racial Equity, Becoming Interrupters. But let's face it, this is a tough time to do that, okay, in schools. And schools are facing real problems with this. Most of them want to do something, but they face challenges, okay? So I'm going to throw this to Tanya. Tanya, in this day and age, put the book in perspective of, of this day and age that teachers are working in. And I think it's very important that they understand what you're doing here. But it, it's tough, then you, you know you're 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 in a good old red state down there. Okay, it's tough down there. It's mm-hmm. tough. Mm-hmm. Okay, you. put it in perspective for today, for today's educator.
1: Well, you know, Larry, uh, we're not. This is not new work for us, right? Think about all the movements that we've had in our society. Think about all of the ways in which students and children have played a role in impacting our society. So mm-hmm. this is not new for us. But no, it's it just is not. A reminder, but it's just a reminder, particularly now, I think this book is uh, more needed than ever. It reminds agree. us that, yeah, we are interrupters, and that's how we became um, really impactful, effective, and more effective, evolving uh, society, right? Because there were people who interrupted the status quo and made us think differently or challenged us to think differently or to interrupt our own thinking about something, right? So Mm -hmm. you think about the Children's March in the 1960s. You think about the the children even going back uh, with movements in suffrage. You think about children women's suffrage. You think about children going back um, for uh, rights for themselves when we had had very few work laws for children. Mm -hmm. Children and adults who supported those children have always interrupted and it's no different than today, you know, being able to think about ourselves as interrupted. So even when we feel very challenged or we feel as if, you know, things aren't going exactly the way we would like to, we have to remember that we are interrupters, and that is something that we have done um, even in our own society, sometimes well, sometimes not so well, but nonetheless, we have interrupted so that we could become better. And we are reminded in the classroom, for example, we charge students to do things that impact their own world, that we give them the knowledge, but what do they do with that knowledge? How do they take that knowledge and turn it into something that makes the world better? Because dead knowledge, knowledge that doesn't go anywhere, really doesn't have an application. And this book really talks about the application of the knowledge that we give you and being there to support you to use that knowledge to make a difference. And so um, in the classroom, we can do things and help kids think about in what ways do you want to see your world or this society better?
2: And what Mm -hmm. does that
1: look like? What does that feel like? And what role can you play in making the world a better place? And so that can go across, once again, all disciplines. But think about um, ways in which children can use that, you know, such as in writing letters to congressmen, being able mm-hmm. to um, have a, a, a That's assuming your test. congressman
0: can read. That's assuming your congressman <laughs> can read. Yeah, that joke. Larry, no
1: comment. You're be in trouble here. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but that but you know, but there are ways in which children and people who support children and teachers can make a difference in the society because we want you to use the skills that we give you in there. And so even in a red state, right, like we are, the the idea here is, is that children and teachers, our systems can be better and what role can we each play to make our spaces better spaces for ourselves and for others in projects such as service learning projects, campaigns such as media campaigns, you know, uh, things that can work to feed the, those who are homeless. You know, anything that we can do to interrupt our current practices that, to make our society stronger, our students can play a role in that, and that's what we're advocating for. And I'll I'll pass it and say, Steve, that's really what we want. We want our kids to think about making this space, this place, a better place. Mm -hmm. And what is your role in that?
0: And facing this thing, Steve, I hate to do this, too. You've got two minutes. Go ahead.
3: Well, uh, what I would emphasize is there are a lot of tools in the book for helping people to connect with one another and to learn to listen to one another, Um, and uh, that applies for students. Their activities for that for teachers. Um, two of our our contributors really had trouble uh, understanding and relating with each other. And yeah. but what happened actually, and we recorded it. They were uh, they were talking online and sharing the stories of their lives, their autobiographies, with each other. And they came to realize that even though one was a white woman, and the other was a black guy. Um, that. Um, <clears throat> that they had a lot in common and that they, they were the two kind of jokesters of our team. And so they began to really develop a relationship. And Tanya has always reminded me that, um, that it's when you have a relationship with someone else that you can really uh, right. help them to understand where you're coming from and vice versa. And that's central to the book. That's part of both humility and action. So um, we're asking people to take action, but in a constructive way and in a way that really connects people together rather than tearing them apart. That's why we don't use a word like disruption. That's why we prefer I interruption.
0: Love great point. So great point.
3: I hope that helps a little bit with where it sure how this book helps with that.
0: It sure does, and I hope a lot of people read this book. It is really good it's from Stenhouse, teaching for racial equity. Becoming Interrupters, Tanya Perry, Steve Zimmerman, Katie Smith. You guys are terrific. You did a great job, and I really appreciate you taking time to be with us today. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Larry. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. you take care. Good luck with the book. I hope we stay in touch. Talk to you all soon. Okay, go vote. Okay. Go vote. Okay. Bye be bye. good, guys. Thank you. Bye, bye. Bye. Okay. Bye. bye. All right, Tanya, Steve, Katie. Thank you. Okay. To my friends at Stanhouse, thank you. And also to my buddy Ross, thank you, Ross Romano, for helping me put this together. We're going to archive over at ace-ed.org. We're really concerned about equity. This is important stuff. Check it all out. Okay? We'll archive over there. Everything's over there, et cetera. I'm Larry Jacobs. Thanks for listening.